Welcome to NPR. This is a 20, 20 verses or whatever. I was gonna say it's like that's like chapter a, one. A Christian filter plugin. Might get <laughs> You won't get arrested. All right, kick it. All right, welcome to the Rude Pastors podcast. My name is Brendan. I'm here with Pastor Pete. Say hey, Pastor Pete. Hi guys, it's good to be back with you. And Pastor Frank. Hey everyone. And Pastor Chopper, Mike Boyd. What's going on, everybody? Amen. And we got Brian on as well, our fearless producer editor slash everything good. Hey, Brian. Hello. <laughs> How you guys doing? I, I haven't, uh, Pete, you were out of town for a little bit, and uh, but I feel like I haven't seen you guys in a while. We, we miss, I missed church last week because of our my sister's wedding, but how's everybody doing? Wow, where do I start? So you had a long week. We went through two weeks of <laughs> lockdown in my house oh, right. uh, because Peter Jr. got COVID, Marco, Ellie, Martha, Victoria all got COVID, and uh, I am uh, immune. Ooh. I did not get I did not get sick. My mother did not get sick, so the vaccines uh, worked in our case. Amen. But uh, it was a crazy house. And then, uh, for those of you who might not know, Marco is uh, getting married on the eighth of, of May, and we had to move him to Nashville. So, um, if everything is a blur, I think I don't even know what day I left. Um, but we took off last week with a big old trailer full and we, I just got back yesterday at 10 o'clock at night from, uh, slave labor, moving all the furniture in. And, and, and interesting in case, uh, I know you don't want this much information, but I'll give it to you. Just, uh, we got there after a, you know, 14, 15 hour drive. We, we started uh, moving into furniture immediately. Uh, you know, we're all exhausted. And uh, another person was moving in and he came and says, hey, if I help you, will you help me? So uh, I said it was, a you know, let's be good neighbors because his truck was a lot bigger than my truck, you know. But uh, but we did. So we got to meet someone new. Uh, he was moving from Florida, too. And uh, we got to know him and. Um, you know, uh, have a, an opportunity to meet the neighbors. Uh, we move them in. They refinished all the furniture for them. They got a better place than I do. So I'm excited for them. Uh, and then they're going to be getting married and moving in uh, second week of May. Nice. And Brian, your room's ready. Sweet. <laughs> Does it look nice? Yes. It's a really My room nice specifically? Apartment. <laughs> that's exciting so the wet the wedding is next week or the week after two weeks two, two weeks. weeks wow or really less than yeah a week and a half or so lots of weddings these days we had our my sister's wedding last friday night which was turned out really nice i realized uh, that i think everybody was just ready to party after this last year so Everyone was on the dance floor 
before dinner, every single person, including my 80 year old aunts, um, with their canes and they use their canes as the limbo bar thing. It was, it was hilarious. It was great. I have great video, but it was a really fun night. You know, I was, I was thinking about it like weddings. I, I get why I think Jesus talks about weddings so much. Like they really are, you know, obviously they're happy occasions and everything, but we haven't had a family wedding in a while. Like my, my close family, like a Hojera wedding for over 10 years. So it just reminded me how like, it's just so nice to celebrate something so happy with so many people that you've known throughout your whole life. Like I had people there that knew me since I was four years old and you look around and everyone's dancing and having fun and it's like, wow, your whole life kind of meets in this one place. It's almost like, like a dream almost, but it makes you think about, oh, I wonder if heaven's going to be kind of like a big wedding reception sometimes, <laughs> but the wedding feast, right? Yeah. I thought about that. Yeah. I kept thinking, I was like, man, this is maybe this is why Jesus relates it to, to a wedding. Cause the joy you feel like you just feel this, this feeling inside of like overwhelming joy. Yeah. And they used to know how to party back then. The weddings were an entire week. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, all, everyone stayed for for a whole week. Barrels of wine. <laughs> Barrels. <laughs> Barrels. <laughs> How about you, Chopper? Tell us about your uh your trip. We haven't talked about your your hiking trip. Did you guys have fun? Yeah, we had a blast. So we just got back from uh the Appalachian Trail. Um a group of us went and did about, I, I don't know how many miles we did. I think we did like 55 miles, a couple Jeez. of us. Um, a, a, other group did about 40 miles. Um, but yeah, it was a good time. It was pretty funny because while Pete's family was getting the Rona, Victor, at the time, Victoria was the only one who did not have it. So they're like, all right, let's move her into Chop's house. And then as like, there's no service on the mountain until you get to the top of the mountain. So I don't see like any messages or anything until like later on in the day. So as, as we're hiking through the day, everything's fine. And then turn the phone on. We, I get a ton of messages. First one's like, Hey, uh, Marco's got coronavirus. Then the next one's Ellie's got it. The next one's Peter's got it. And then uh, Marco's got it. I'm like, Holy crap. There's like running rampant in the house over there. And then, um, the next text is Victoria's living here now because she doesn't have it. And then, like three texts later, Victoria has it. You might want to stay on the trail. <laughs> so, so I'm like, hey, uh, I, I, can, I can stay on. That's fine with me. But um, it's a good excuse. It was a good excuse, but I know I was ready for a shower, and because I was already on for eight days, and I was, I was, yeah, that's a long time, dirty, and it was a long time. So I was ready to come home, but it, it's just, it's so beautiful being out there. Um, there was times where you don't hear a thing. The only thing you hear is, is the silence. Is that, you know, it's, it's different. You know, you, you never not hear anything around here, you know, in the city, yeah. but there, there is, you absolutely hear nothing but silence. Well, for me, I hear ringing my ears cause my ears ring all the time, but um, it just really like allows you to, disconnect with God and just give him like thanks for, you know, what he's created around us. Just, it's just an absolute beauty, you know? And yeah, it, it really allowed me to connect in a way that I haven't connected in a, in a while just because of this, this silence and the stillness. So it was a great to get away for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
helps you to, it makes it a lot easier to just like live in the moment when you're out there like that. It really does. Cause the only thing you're thinking of is your food, your shelter and your water. That's like, those are the only three things. Like while I was gone that they had the, the shooting at the FedEx, the FedEx building or whatever it was. They had the the other cop shooting. They had DMX dying, and I didn't know about any of this stuff or um, until I got back. You know, and it seems like it, it none of that was a worry or a care. And then you get back, you're like, you're, you're back into the grind of of everyday life and violence. So it's yeah. It's like, yeah oh. When you were away, we lost our property. We got the property back. We lost our property. We got the property <laughs> back. We lost our property. <laughs> that, that too. Was my yeah. week. <laughs> now, now Frank's ready to go to the woods. <laughs> go to the mountains, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, you get it, you, it. It makes a lot more sense why Jesus wanted wanted to like escape to the wilderness and climb a mountain once in a while. <laughs> oh, for <laughs> <Right>? sure. <laughs> I think that's the biggest, like, one of the thing when I when I was preparing for the first message about like Jesus going to the mountainside. So on the Sermon on the Mount he climbs this mountain and that was one of the kind of uh, revelations and things I, I didn't realize was that the Sermon on the Mount started by Jesus going away from the crowds and climbing a mountain to kind of get away from them. Cause he had been healing and taught like ministering to the crowds. So he went away, climbed the mountain to sit down and his disciples followed him. So he took the opportunity to start teaching. So like it starts with him just talking to his disciples and then obviously the crowds follow and they find him. And by the end of the sermon on the mountain, he's speaking to a crowd, but I had never really thought of it that way. I think the sermon on the Mount, but is that, do you guys feel like that's a good interpretation? I mean, obviously we're reading into, we have to kind of like interpret it that way. I mean, it, from when I read, that's what I, the visual I get, but do you guys, do you guys get that same visual? Do you think that's in line with yeah, what you're I, reading? Well, it's a little bit more complicated uh, in that we have the Sermon on the Mount appear multiple in multiple Gospels, and um, it, it, you know the you know, people who have studied the Bible longer than we have, they'll say that it's a these are common themes that Jesus taught. So this is not the only time that Jesus taught this. Mm. Jesus, you remember, remember that the, the 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 gospels do not account for everything that Jesus said. It actually, says that in the Bible, that he, he did many, he did thousands more miracles, thousands more conversations, thousands more teachings. But but that that the Sermon on the Mount was a distillation of kind of like uh, I don't want to say the the greatest hits, but but it, it was a common teaching that Jesus would would do. That's how important it is. It's mm. central to the gospel. Um, but in that state, it is this, it, you know, so it is this where he delivers it to the, to, to the masses to, you know, so, so, so to say that, to describe it the way you, you, you describe it. Yeah, I'm sure it happened like that, but it wasn't the only time that he spoke of the, these things. So it was uh, yeah. something that he would share, uh, you know, uh, that, that, and that's what, you know, so, sometimes people don't understand. That's why there's, there are variations, or I should say different emphases throughout the Gospels of, of, yeah. uh, 
of what Jesus was talking about, because, you know, these are the actual experiences of the disciples recording and recording. So so imagine that he, he said these things so often that they knew him. They knew them. Hmm. They knew them. They were able to 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 write them down uh, and, yeah. to, and to recall the teachings. But but I think to make your point. That's a very common behavior for Jesus. Jesus, uh, it says, often would go to be by himself. He, yeah. We know he spent 40 days in the wilderness by himself. Uh, we know even the woman at the well, he sent the dis- disciples were somewhere else getting food, and he was by himself. So, uh, you know, and then and then they came back, and you know, when he was witnessing to the woman at the well. So Jesus... Uh, did spend a lot of time in a solid, you know, in a solitary way, um, and I think that that is very important and lost in our culture. Yeah, it's lost in our culture today. Um, I, I, I like to be with people, but I also like to be alone. So it's not one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and there is something uh, extremely powerful, as Chopper was saying. To I grew up. Uh, camping on a regular basis and I would say that that was one of uh, probably one of the greatest uh, how can I say evangelistic tools in my life in other words I went out there and encountered God before before someone telling me anything before knowing the Bible before there was something breathtaking about encountering the creation of God uh, you know, many poets have written that, that that's really that's really the church in a sense. If you want to if you want a physical building, go out to nature. That's God's creation, the temple, all the earth. You know, everything is his footstool, you know, as the Old Testament describes that. Uh, we see that pattern in the prophets. Right. The, uh, the prophets did that. We see that pattern in uh, John the Baptist who went out, left the city. Right to the outskirts and, and kind of lived, uh, you know, and I think, uh, we see a mistake of that. Uh, I know we're not talking about it, but might as well bring it in. We see a mistake of that kind of thinking because I think a lot of times people say, well, let's run away. Mm. So we have the monks and the, you know, during the, you know, in the different ages, you have the, that went off to be by themselves and separate themselves from society. But that's not what God said, right? That's not what, that's not the example of Jesus. Jesus went out to recharge, to reconnect, to spend time with the father and then went back and engaged the culture. Right. Yeah. Uh, we're going to talk about engaging the culture today. Yeah. So that was like one of the questions I had as good is a good segue because yeah, I think one of the questions I had is why are, why are Christians so eager to withdraw from culture? Like historically we look at the last 30, 50 years or so, and you see a, a major like withdraw from our culture rather than the engagement, you know? Um, so it, it goes to the conversation of, you know, salt and light, which is what we're talking about today is, you know, how are we to be salt and light like what does that really mean and you know why do you think what are some reasons why i mean why do you think we've withdrawn so much from culture uh, in the past 
I mean, definitely. Um, I, I I would sum it up to fear and fear mongering. You know, mm-hmm. what do I mean? I mean, uh, the entire groups of people saying, uh, you know, you in order to avoid being uh, tainted by this, you know, this sinful world, we have to withdraw and we have to protect our children and we have to send them to special schools and we have to create our own communities and we create our own radio stations and we create our own stores and we create our own culture. And we think that somehow we're going to uh, avoid the sin of this world. Uh, But Mm. lo and behold, the sin follows us because it's in us. You know, Mm. we struggle with sin. So we see sin in those communities. I mean, those are the promises. And at at the extremes, very, very, very destructive. I think of uh, Jonestown. The Jones, the, the Jonestown massacre. That was a promise of uh, building a better community. You know, uh, let's go, let's go hide in a mountain. Let's go do that. And that's happened as far back as we can think, because there were groups that would separate themselves. Um, and so they get. I think they get. You know, but the biggest thing is, I find it's it's fear, and the thought of if I can stay away from the world and from people who don't believe in Jesus and I I am somehow going to not be tainted, Mm. uh, not suffer and not, uh, my kids are like, I've had so many conversations with parents for the last 20 something years about, you know, should I put my kid in a Christian school, you know, because I don't want them to be affected by the public schools. And, um, and, and to me it is, it, it, it's not an easy decision, but uh, but I think it goes to being the salt of the earth. How can we be the salt if uh, we are not in the world? God calls us to be in the world, but not of the world. And, hmm. and, and to piggyback off that, I, I, be, I believe it's fear, too. And, and uh, that's, that, that's like um, it, uh, we were talking about it a little bit before we started to record it. It's about... Like when Jesus at the well, how he's talking to this uh, uh, Samaritan woman, right? And and how in the in, in these times that, that was looked at as that you can't be talking to these people. But he was engaging himself in the cult, uh, not fearing what other people are going to say, what other people are going to do. So, um, with that said, yeah. So we get into a comfort zone in our in our own. Uh, let's say cubicles and we stay because we don't want to engage with the culture or uh, be, you know, something may rub off on, on us, but, but Jesus does the opposite. He does the opposite. He engages himself and he sits with the sinners. He eats with the sinners. He... We're supposed to rub off on them. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Jump in the... I just heard a podcast yesterday, I believe it was too, that, you know, what, what, what can we be doing? Like, uh, instead of just saying, oh, we shouldn't be, the, these people shouldn't be doing that. But what are you actually doing to, like, how are you uh, actually engaging yourself and putting yourself in, in it? And the guy was uh, basically talking about guns. So what he was doing was going around collecting guns. And he was he was making. Did you hear that podcast? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was uh, excellent. I've heard him speak before. Yeah, uh, he's he's got quite uh, a heart. 
Yeah, yeah. So he was collecting guns and making uh, garden and, tools. And, and he's, he's, he's literally beating swords into plowshares. <laughs> yeah. His wife is a blacksmith, so they're beating the. He said he had a like a pile of guns in his in his in his front yard or something. Mm-hmm. Like that. <laughs> so, yeah, and he's making them so into garden he, tools. He was, That's. He wasn't fearing, and he was throwing himself in the trenches and, and being part of the, the whole thing. So. Yeah. Well, okay, so it, it brings me to, like, it makes me think about what happens when, how does our withdrawal from culture affect our world around us? Like, I think we don't we don't really think about how it affects us. Like, our decisions affect everyone around us. That's something I always said, like, even personally, like, the decisions I make affect my family and my kids, obviously, but like our decisions affect each other. And I think that's like a truth that not a lot of people are willing to really accept because we want to think that, you know, oh, it's just about me and it's my decision. And, you know, as long as I'm not hurting anyone else, but you might not realize how it's affecting people, your decisions, good or bad. Um, you may not ever actually see it yourself, but as like a church, you know, as, you know, a, a global kind of church, like, you know, the, the church, the body of Christ, our decisions to withdraw from culture throughout history, if we really think about it, like how has it affected the world around us? Has it helped the situation or hurt the situation most of the time? You know, like withdrawing from culture, has it, has it been a good thing or a bad thing the majority of the time? It's bad. <laughs> I don't think of a, I can't think of one time that it's good. Right. That's uh, what I'm thinking. I know. I think it's completely contradictory to the word of God. Right. Completely contradictory to the mission and uh, the purpose of uh, of believers. Now, that doesn't mean that, you know, uh, it, it's, a, it's a balance. Like I said, and I think we see that balance in, in, in Jesus and the disciples. In other words, you have a there is also community that you build. Yeah. But the community is not supposed to be isolated. Right. So it's not an iso- it's the isolation idea that is the problem. And, um, uh, you know, you've seen that manifested through history. We, we lose our right to speak into this community and this country. If we choose to go and hide and pack our supplies and go live in a cave somewhere, we, 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 we have fundamentally missed the entire Sermon on the Mount right. uh, if we choose to take that path because we are called to be in the world and to be the salt and to be the light. And you cannot be those things if you're hidden. That's exactly the you know what he's talking about. You cannot hide those things because we are, you know, uh, you know, the salt was meant as a purification, uh, uh, decompose, it stopped decomposing. It, you know, it was what was valuable in that culture. And 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 I always think of it this way. It is extremely uncomfortable. Uh, you know, you guys remember I wrote some stuff about, you know, that beautiful tension mm-hmm. that exists. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, I, I gave the example of like my guitar has the strings are each have a tension on there, but it creates notes and it creates harmony, it creates a song. And you can't create those things without the tension of the strings being there. Uh, and I, I've always seen that as an illustration of there is tension. Uh, and that tension is a result of fallenness and brokenness in the world. 
but it's that it's in that tension that we can get into the harmony into the 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 the, the, the song of Christ in our lives right. and 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 sharing that with other other people I think of in our own lives I mean if we if those before us chose to isolate themselves how, where would we be right I mean, really, any great uh, kind of transformation movement or redemption type of movement, any really great movement in our country, if you think about it, has happened when, or many of them have happened when Christians have engaged Martin Luther King, exactly. you know, like that's a good example. And engaged engage in every aspect of the culture. Right. You know, it, one of the saddest things for me as an artist is that we have experienced a time in the church history where the church is devoid of, of, of presence mm. in the world of art, in the world of, of creativity, in the world of, uh, you know, the world. Uh, and the church historically was the center of science, of culture, of philosophy, I mean, that's that's reality. All that, you know, people don't people think that, you know, we are, you know, the last, you know, 1940s on, you know, that we're like anti-science. And it's like, well, you know, the church with the monks were the scientists. They're the ones who, you know, uh, they're the ones who, you know, came up with, you know, did the first work with genetics and, and ideas of, of, of genetics and the. And uh, people like um, Sir Isaac Newton was an expert in the Bible, as well as a, a genius mathematician who came up with the concept that, you know, who explained mathematically the concept of gravity. And, and people don't realize that the, towards the end of his life, he left that world just to go and study the, the Bible and to talk about the coming of Christ. So these things were not separated. They weren't yeah. separated. You know, um, and yeah. uh, and everyone talks about pol- you know, politics, and uh, you know, and, and church wasn't wasn't out of politics. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, it, it, they, they were involved because they were parts of the culture. So they were mm-hmm. lawyers, and they were teachers, and they were uh, you know, doctors. And they were farmers, and they were so every aspect of uh, of, of of the culture had some inf- had a Christian at least a voice within it. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I I think uh, an example of that in Scripture, I see Paul in Paul's life. Let's say how in the when we're reading the letters and like the Thessalonians, he like actually becomes part of the like learns about the culture uh uh really digs in and sees what what they're about what they believe what they what you know so when he says that he's all things to you know even in the corinthians he knew the corinthians were a very uh a place of sports so he spoke to them in in uh language of uh of training and 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 of stuff like that so so you know, we, we see him engaging with the culture there and, and, and knowing the culture and, and not just sitting back and, and not wanting to learn. And that, I think that we, we, we also, you know, 
we're scared because we don't actually uh, want to learn more about our, like our culture, you know, learn more about uh, the things that are going on right now in, in our world. And, and uh, we're just uh, by hearsay, we, we try, you know, instead of digging into it, we, by hearsay, we try to, uh, to, to, to make light of it. And, and we can't because we really don't know the actual uh, depths of the situations like, you know, of either uh, the race, the, the, uh, the uh, racism, or or the LGBTQ community, or you know all all these things that are that are in our culture today. So, um, I see that I see that in 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 Paul's life a lot, and, and that reflection. Yeah, yeah. They, they they didn't have that option back then. Right. They were they were you know they didn't have an option to you know, uh, you know. They were they were they were the outcasts, you know, in the New Testament. They were the ones that were on the outside, and they were coming. You know, God's creating this community for the outsider, right? Think about that. God was creating a community for the outsider. We, by we, I mean our current period of time. We uh, want to have an insider group and not let the outsider in. Right. And that's and that's been my experience. I mean, I've grown up in the. I didn't grow up in the church, but I, there's. A large. Let me ask this question: um, Do you feel that you've been able to be your full self in the church? Not at all. No. <laughs> there you go. That's a problem, right? No. Let me ask so, you exactly. Hey, there's, when when do you think this whole, I guess, Christian bubble thing like really took off? Like with the the Christian T-shirts, the I don't want to say homeschooling because homeschooling is not necessarily a Christian thing, but uh, keeping the the kids away from from the outside world, like it, I feel like it really got out of control in the like two thousands, if I'm not mistaken. Well, uh, it's happens it's happened throughout church history, but for us and what we've experienced, definitely seventies uh, uh, to the eighties. We started seeing that actually what people might not realize is that the advent of Christian, uh, well, first of all, colleges were Christian from the beginning, uh, you know, Harvard, Yale, they went the other way, right? right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, you know, hospitals, all, so like I said, there was a switch somewhere through, through our history where we gave away the responsibility of education and gave away the responsibility of of healthcare and gave away the responsibility of, of us, of the social system to take care of people. That was the responsibility of the, of, of believers for, uh, throughout, uh, history and American history, early American history, not exclusively, don't give me the wrong, but that's pretty much the prominent thing. But uh, where I saw, you know, historically, the, I mean, Christian colleges started because of segregation. I mean, I know that that's a very sad reality, but it's a. It, for those of you listening who who are are don't might not believe that, you can look into that. Uh, it was a, a, a way to keep schools white. <laughs> I mm-hmm. mean, and, and yeah. in the South, uh, so that was kind of like the beginning of you know, like people don't realize, like Bob Jones University, uh, you know didn't allow, uh, uh, you know, uh, blacks in until I think in the eighties was when they finally changed their, 
you know, their regulations and stuff. So mm -hmm. it stems from, from some of it stems from the culture wars. So, but to go to your question about, uh, homeschooling, which I have a lot of feelings about and I'll be gentle and I apologize in advance, but as a, a person who holds a degree in, ed in education, I would hesitate to homeschool my kids because I would want them to receive the very best education that they can get. And I know that while I can teach them many, many things, I might not be the most effective teacher in every area for my child. I think that we partner with the schools. We don't give up our responsibilities as parents in educating. We are the primary teacher in our the children's lives. But what ended up happening was is fear. And that's what I've heard. Uh, and that's what I've seen. That's what I've witnessed. Uh, it's talking to people who homeschooled their kids. I can tell you that in most cases, it has it has not been a positive decision for, no, for mean, many reasons. I, I've seen, you know, working in youth for so long, the, the ones who were sheltered so much have the ones that gotten like way off the rails <laughs> when they go yeah. to college. Right. I remember or, talking to one mom. One mom in particular who was really ad adamant about homeschooling, and I said, "Listen, your child is a little sinner, and they're going to sin wherever they go. Right? Mm -hmm. They need to. They need to. They, you know. <clears throat> I How go, dare you say that? You know, you're you're, you're not going to stop them from. As a matter of fact, you might. You have to be careful, and and in that case, you know that. Unfortunately, that's what happens is the kids have yeah. such a, uh, you know. Uh, yeah, uh, let me speak on. I want to speak on that a little bit, just yeah, as a homeschooler. You know, one of the things I tell parents is never punish your children with the Bible. Go ahead. So I was homeschooled. There you go. So I'll speak on this. Yeah, look how I turned out. I'm like so messed up. No, so I was only homeschooled for it was pretty much high school. Uh, but the reasons for mine were, were a little different. It, my parents, it wasn't out of fear of like my parents wanting to withdraw from culture or anything, but I did go to a Christian school. So I, 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 I was brought up in like a Baptist school an elementary school. And so very much in that bubble. So I feel That's like I worse. experienced, yeah, it is even worse. I experienced the, I feel like the peak of that kind of movement. Cause I think the withdrawal from culture and creating this Christian bubble, like Chopper was talking about started, it was a gradual thing that really started probably in the fifties and sixties type of thing, seventies, eighties and nineties. It really reached its peak with the like purity movement in the nineties, which I was right, yeah. definitely, that was, that was in my wheelhouse like that. I was, I grew up in those type of churches and in that, that kind of culture, I guess, Christian culture and that in the early awesome 2000s and, and stuff. Yeah. The awesome shirts, the Christian bookstores, this, this bubble, I, I feel like it really reached its peak in probably like the nineties, late nineties and all that. So, and I was completely immersed in that whole thing. And, and it's funny because you don't realize it. Like I didn't realize how my, my life had been shaped so much going back to how our lives are shaped by decisions people make by decisions that had been made by, you know, Christians or whatever decades before me and had created this kind of bubble. I didn't know the bubble existed until I was out of it. So you don't realize you're in a bubble until you get out of it. A lot of times, especially when you're young, you know, I was a kid and my parents were just trying to do the best they could, you know, they were just 
following what they thought was best for us. And, and they had become believers and young in their twenties. And so they were just trying to do, you know, what was best for us. But, um, I think it goes back to that fear. Like you said, Pete, like a lot of it is based on fear that, uh, Christian schools being created. Like I didn't even realize that I, I grew up in a Christian school. I went to Christian school from like all of elementary school and part of middle school. And I never knew where Christian schools came from. You know, I didn't realize that they, they really were birthed out of the segregation period. And, and when, or the desegregation, like when, when schools were being combined and again, you know, white parents didn't like it. And so they started their own schools and started their own Christian schools. I went to one of those schools so, you know, like looking back now on our history and it, some of it is a little disturbing for me because it's kind of like I get a little upset and mad sometimes, honestly, because I'm kind of like, man, a lot of this is just wrong. Like, I think a lot of it is wrong. Not all of it. Like, I can't just throw away my whole upbringing. I can't throw away everything because there was a lot of good stuff there, too. You know, right. I mean, I went to a Christian college and uh my issue with with Christian education is not Christian education mm-hmm. as long as the quality is there. Right. My issue is, is that the quality of education is not there. Yeah. Uh, you know, people don't, you know, and, and you know, I might get some hate mail. I'm mm-hmm. sure that there's places where it was, but this has been my personal experience as a person who is going to be hired at a Christian school to teach. They are. They were not required to have licensed teachers. Uh, they were not required to maintain the same, uh, even the same uh, levels of uh, professionalism as a regular public school. So right from the start, you know, it was hit or miss. Hmm. Uh, and then uh, you didn't get, you didn't get a complete education because of uh, fear, you know, the science programs wouldn't be very good, you know, uh, or the literature program. So, you know, so what ends up happening is you have, and then on top of that, let's go to homeschool, right? We have a society that barely reads, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that, that is, you know, they're completely unfamiliar. And I said, listen, and I'm going to tell you why, because this isn't sitting at a, on a high horse. Jesus saved my soul and he saved my brain too. Mm. So part of my, I wasn't a great student. Uh, You know, I struggled a lot academically, but when I got, when, when I came to know the Lord and the Lord began his work in me, one of the things he did was give me a passion for learning. So, and, and, and then I realized like, actually I had conviction about, I, I need to be a good student and the reason why I need to be a good student is because I'm giving a testimony to these teachers in my school that don't know the Lord. And what is that telling them about me if I'm a, if I believe in God and I'm and I'm talking about Christianity, but I but I fail their class? Yeah, <laughs> they don't do their homework. Yeah, you know. So so then that started my path down. You know, and edu- and I fell in love, and I have passionate, and I've learned a great deal because. This is a thing for me. It is about the arts and what's missing in the church, the arts, writing, literature, painting, creating. Uh, this is this is, a, to me, a, a very godly thing 
Those are gifts that God has given and, 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 and people are not allowed to share it unless it's, uh, you know, like the only way that people understand my, my art is that if I did something, you know, I draw a picture of Jesus. You got to put a fish on it. A fish. Oh, right. a fish or, like, or if, if I would write a song, it would have to be about, you know, a Bible verse. You know, right, but or, don't don't write a song about your deep despair and your suffering. Exactly. And your pain. Even, though the, even, though, even though the psalms are half despair. Exactly. You know, forget, right? So, yeah. so so we have cut off in our time the gifts that God has given people. To be able to minister to the people. Yeah. And we've created Christian bookstores. I mean, that was my first experience. Uh, my first experience was not being allowed into the Christian community, right? So uh, it was rejection from this, 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 this little mountain, this little protective bubble. So I get to the church and I'm and I'm rejected from that because I'm too different. My hair is long, uh, you know, I dress all in black, uh, you know, the whole thing. Uh I fight my way in because that's literally what had to happen. I had to fight my way in. And then a rejection of my artwork, a rejected a rejection of my playing guitar, a rejection of everything from the church. Because at that time, rock and roll was of the devil. Right. Uh, so uh, and it's funny because all those churches that preached that in the 80s yeah. now all have a worship band. Right. So it all changed. So then, so then it, yeah. becomes, it becomes a... Come as you are, but let us change you completely and, and not just come as you are. And uh, No, it's come as you are, and we're going to be very wary of you. Yeah. yeah, yeah come, come, come until we mold you into. We've got to mold you into the little the, clones the, of you have to be just like us, you know. Right. And, and, and then I don't know about you guys, but what I found was that the church was just as full of sin as, as, as the world I left because I left a real, I was a sinner and I came into. The church, and, uh, and we can talk openly about this stuff, right? People, are, I know that. No. You know, give a warning. <laughs> Not loud. Sorry. We're going to be really honest here. I mean, I I encountered more sin in the church than I did on the outside. You know, it's like, I, you know, uh, people sleeping around and people uh, lying and cheating and leaders, uh, you know, definitely not representing Christ and a lot of uh, prejudice and a lot of hatred and a lot of judgment and so that's what i came into and so i have like this young christian brain i just encounter the god and i'm reading i'm 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 just hungry for the word and i'm eating i'm eating i'm eating the bible and meanwhile i'm listening to the church leaders and i'm like wait a minute but that's that's opposite of what is in the word of god i remember in the youth group where i got where i started going to the 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 i remember driving the car i mean literally three months into my faith and i'm driving in the car and the lady goes well you can only forgive so much and this is the leader of the youth ministry wow and 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 i'm in the car and i go wait a minute but how about 70 times seven you know so i'm i'm like the person who's just starting out and the, this is what I see from the church. And there was the same thing. It's like, you can come and be accepted, but you must become like me. Right. Is that the description? Yeah. In other words, you have, to wear the, you have to dress a certain way. You have to speak a certain way. You have to put on the airs of what we think is Christianity. And why? Why do you think that is? I mean, does it go back to the fear thing? Is, is like we have to be able to control the situation and be able to like really – 
know that, okay, you're saved because you're wearing this shirt and you're doing this and this. And that's what lets us know that you're actually saved rather than actually knowing the person. You know, my wife always tells me to be careful when I talk about this, because for some people, those things have meaning, you know, and I don't want to. I don't want to just pour gasoline over everything and and just burn it. But yeah. like I said, for me, my I'm going to be honest, my reaction, I got saved. They took me to a gigantic Christian bookstore in Manhattan and I walked in and I became nauseous. Hmm. I said, how can this be allowed? Oh, I thought it was because you were still evil. Uh, and, you know, because my <laughs> thing is I'm looking around and it's like Jesus belt buckles. And, yeah, you know, yeah, Moses yeah. doll and all this tchotchkes and you turn I, it around yeah. and these companies aren't even Christian. And I'm like, how can you take some, something so sacred, something so mind blowing, something so awesome and holy and turn it into an ashtray? Yeah. Well, yeah. Know, Pete, it reminds me of what it's kind of like. Yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Go ahead. You're probably going to say the same thing, but I'm not sure. But it reminds me of when we were in <laughs> Europe and we went to to Notre Dame. And like as soon as you walk in, the first thing you see is a a um, a big visitor center with like a memorabilia place. And I'm like, holy crap! The first thing you walk into, it's not like the the Christian aspect of of this place. It's here by this buy that buy 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 everything and then go see what this thing was built upon so like the first we're consumers yeah that's our consumer society we live in and we just fall right into it and uh, yeah it's not new i mean the the the, again if if you're a student of literature i mean the the canterbury tales is, is about that whole thing during the middle ages where uh, used to have a person that was called the partner and he would go from town to town and forgive you of your sins before you did them. So you can go sin. It was called indulgences. And this was part of the church. And, but then also the, 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 in the, in the poem, in the, in the writings, the, the, the writer makes fun of the partner because he comes with a, with a knuckle of, of St. Peter or some relic, a uh, piece of the cross. And it was all, it was a consumerism of their time. They would come and if they can touch that and pay a certain amount of money, you know, so it, mm-hmm. consumerism is nothing new in the church, but it's definitely should not belong in the church. Well, right. it's, it's a lot like, it's a lot like uh, when Jesus went to the temple and like, they're just selling a whole bunch of stuff in the temple and like, just kind of like defiling it in a way that it's supposed to be like a place of worship. And, you know, he went and started flipping tables and all. Right. I mean, what they were doing was actually misrepresenting God. That was the outer court for the Gentiles. This is where the, see, even from the Old Testament, there was room made for people who didn't know to know. Right. Mm-hmm. And they had taken that outer court and made it into a, a where you bought and sold uh, for sacrifices. So basically said, we got a better purpose for it than sharing the truth of God. Right. They removed, uh, they removed God out of it. Right. Right. Well, so uh, before we close, I wanted to, I had one more kind of question 
Because all of this, this withdrawing from culture and everything, do you think there is a call for repentance on behalf of the church in general for this type of thing from with the withdrawing from culture, whatever that might look like. Like I I look and see like, I mean, I I can't help but feel like it's like the apathy type of thing. You know, when we just ignore or we withdraw from issues in our culture and our society, or, you know, we just kind of pretend they're not there or we intentionally withdraw because of fear or whatever it might be. Um, if you look over, you know, through history, like, is there ever a place in a time or a call for repentance? Do you think even like a corporately or like as the church, um, do you think that there's a place for that? And not that, you know, I'm not, it's not, not that it's going to like fix everything if we, you know, but as just like acknowledging, you know, acknowledging when we're wrong, having self-reflection and saying, you know what? We, as the church and the body of Christ, were wrong when we withdrew from culture at this moment. Or maybe I personally, you know, obviously it starts personally with each one of us. But as leaders and pastors of a church, like how do we, is there a point where we can kind of stand in representation of the church and say, we were wrong and we God is calling us to repent from these types of things? Because how it's, and we see how it's affecting our society. I think one of the ones now which has been current in the past year is, is politics, right? Is how we've put politics before uh, God and, uh, and made politics the, the number one thing of, uh, of church instead of, uh, let's say, of, of, co- of even that causing division between, <laughs> between Christians and, and stuff like that. Um, there's a, there's a repentance there. I, I believe that the church needs to, you know. I, I think what is difficult is that the church, we want to think of the church as this monolithic, uh, you know, because the word of God call, says that we're a church of living stones and, and, and spiritually we are one church, but it is hard to speak for the church. That's one of the things that uh, has happened uh, you know, through church history, it's like who speaks for the church, right? Exactly. Yeah. Uh, is it the Pope? Is it um, an archbishop? Is it some TV evangelist that's very popular? Is it Billy Graham's Jr.? Is it, uh, you know, or Franklin Graham? Or, you know, uh, it, 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 who speaks for the church? Yeah. You know, uh, that's, I think that's, it has to be, if I look at church history, it has to be a movement of the of the Spirit of God, you know, the Enlightenment, uh, you know, uh, movements of the Holy Spirit that uh, that bring repentance. Um, I think that <clears throat> we have to do it locally uh, and locally turns corporately. Yeah. You know, so I think that as 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 if it starts as an individual and it moves to your local congregation and your community, and then I believe it can become a worldwide uh, movement of the Spirit of God. But it has to be, uh, it has to be the the Holy Spirit directing it. Uh, yeah. Like I, I'll be honest, that I, I I I I think that my 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 role in this is not repentance for me because uh, in a sense of to this particular issue, I have a lot of issues to repent for, but 
not not in this one, but my I have to be more prophetic here mm-hmm. and more uh, teaching and correcting and directing. Uh, so because uh, and this goes to our teaching, it, it, the body of Christ, uh, it's taking us this long to figure it out for ourselves. So how do we do that? Well, we do that with the work of the Spirit of God and people and with us boldly uh, teaching the gospel and the truth of the word of God and, and, and making it accessible to people. So mm-hmm. and we give them time to grow. So I think at the end of the day, all this is really true discipleship. Mm-hmm. You know, I heard uh, Mike Geary talk about that. And I agree with him that he said, you know, people use the word deconstruction. We're into deconstructing, right? right. And he doesn't like that word. I don't like that word either because uh, as a, 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 a deconstruction is good if there's going to be reconstruction later. Yeah. Uh, I think that deconstruction is just demolition if there's nothing coming afterwards. But he says, no, it's the process of discipleship. We're constantly growing and uh, and quote unquote deconstructing so that we can get to the truth. So it is discipleship. It is spiritual mm-hmm. discipleship. Uh, God yeah. is patient and God is kind. And we have to lovingly and patiently teach the truth. Sometimes without seeing any fruit, you know, like the prophets who had to challenge the people. Uh, we're in the middle. We're going to be squeezed on both sides. That's the way I kind of see it. You know, mm-hmm. the, 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 at least that's been my experience, right? So politically, you know, our focus is not on Republicans or Democrats. It's about the gospel and Jesus. So guess what? Uh, the, the Republicans don't like it and the Democrats don't like it. You know, it's like we're getting a squeeze on both sides of that, of the, of that area uh, for, you know. Um, but we, you know, I think we have to proclaim and be okay with not being uh, popular, Brendan. To go back to your point of repentance, uh, yeah, we have to call people to repent. We have to call the church to repent, uh, and it's really hard because guess what? Uh, from experience, and I want to get your opinions. When you say these things, people say, "I don't like it," and they get up and leave. Mm-hmm. Right? Like just the thought. I mean, just a conversation about social justice this year, right? Uh, to me, it's a no-brainer. Jesus is all about justice. Mm-hmm. I mean, the gospel is, is, is all about justice. Uh, but you talk about that, and, and unfortunately, they can't, people can't see the difference between an organization, right, and the idea of justice. Yeah, I love Sky's uh, little doodle in his book on the he has his little trains because he talks about justice and evangelism and how, you know, a lot of Christians like we 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 go after we're okay with the evangelism part, you know, the part where it's about our relationship with God and bringing people to God and all that kind of stuff. But when it's the justice part about reconciling people. That's like we there's two extremes. There's people who believe in all that. And then there's people that believe in the reconciliation, the evangelism. And then you've got the justice and we keep them as two separate things. 
And his little doodle here is like a train that the engine is love pull and it pulls justice and evangelism behind it. So it, it starts with love. Um, and so his point is, and I agree, is that both evangelism and justice matter. Um, but it's that whole, and we talked about this before, and it, it's the visual that I, I, I personally kind of connect to is Christianity and being a, being a Christian is living in, in the shape of a cross, right? It's the horizontal and the vertical. So we have our, our vertical, which is us and God. You know, we have a relationship with God. We, we, we turn our hearts to God. We pursue a relationship with him. We, and then there's the horizontal where God calls us to reconcile with other people. And that includes just social, social issues, social issues and justice and those type of things on the horizontal. Um, but right at the middle and the center of it is the heart of God is Jesus. So to me, like, that's what I always try to remind myself when I'm trying to live. I personally, throughout my Christian walk, have spent a lot of time on the vertical because that's what was uh, pushed pretty much taught to me. That goes back to how I, uh, how I was brought up in a culture that was very uh, isolated from culture, you know, isolated well, from the world. It's all about the individual. Yeah. It's all about my relationship with God and making sure. So we had, you know, worship nights and prayer nights. And that's, that's one thing where like, even like as a worship leader, who's done worship my whole life. Like eventually I kind of looked and I was like, I've been to so many of these worship events and these nights of prayers and all these things, which they're not bad. I'm not saying that they're bad, but it's like after a while, I I'm looking at myself and thinking, what am I doing? What, how am I shaping society? Like, it's great. We're all in here together singing songs and there's a, there's a time for that. But are we also going out and like seeking justice in the world and actually, you know, or are we just wanting this feel good feeling? Are we just wanting to come to this concert so we can feel good over and over and over and over again, but not really seeing anything being done in the world? So my life was very vertical for a long time and I've had to really balance it and and be more horizontal and actually engage with people outside of the church and seek reconciliation and 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 really like see the importance in that you know whether it's at my job or at home or or school or wherever it is that horizontal life that's what's around us every day so i, I mean, have to have both yeah i mean i want to ask you a question brendan because uh, I, I first of all, I agree with you 100. percent I think it's it, it, it's a very selfish approach, right? The right the vertical is very selfish. It's all about right. self. It does and feel like that. Yeah, contradictory to what Jesus says, you know, uh, about laying down our selfish ways, about yeah, being reconcilers of all people. You know, it's the opposite message. But let me tell you, it, would you say that it was so ingrained in you that you couldn't even think in terms of not working in the church? Yeah. Um, f- for a season, probably. Yeah. Uh, probably for a little while. Working outside the church wasn't even an option in, in an order option. to be like, a to, to truly be effective. Right. No. Yeah. There was a season where that was definitely true. Yeah. I believed that. And, and, and that is also the message that has been given that in other words, the only way to truly serve God is to be a pastor. Right. 
mm-hmm. or to be a worship minister or to work in the office at the church or work in the, you know, and it's like, don't get me wrong. Those things are all nice, but where do you see that in scripture? <laughs> and I, I, uh, I, I mean, Paul was a tent maker, so, uh, you know, uh, yeah. Almost everyone you encounter in the, in the new Testament was part of the community. They had businesses, they had, uh, they were, they were involved, they were engaged. They had influence in a good way. Yeah. So we all run in and like I said, we've all, I want to say a word, but I know that if I say it, it'll be like too controversial. So I'm going to push it out of my mind. Come on. You know, save it for Sunday. (laughs) It is. The best way I can say it is that it's very self gratifying. And that we are driven to be self gratified as believers when it's supposed to be, we're supposed to be selfless. Amen. Yeah. You know, and this is hard. I mean, for all of us, let's be honest. Of course. It's, it, it's, it's extremely comfortable to be in a house where everyone agrees with you. But what good is it in the long run? What good is it for us? And this is, again, to make my last point about homeschooling, my problem with homeschooling <laughs> is that it, it leaves young people extremely ill-prepared to truly know their faith in the context of the of the world, so they go off to college and they are their faith is destroyed. This is what I've seen over and over and over and over again. Listen, a lot of our youth go out into the world and their faith is destroyed because their faith was put in a very safe place in a safe box where it was never challenged, where it was they never had to think a deep thought, they never had to say, "Hmm, there's a contradiction here. I need to work this out." That we're never challenged to that the, that the reality, like it's okay for us to question and to and to push the envelope of of our thinking. A God, the Word of God says, "Come, let us reason together." God wants us to you know to process and push. And guess what? Not every question is going to be answered, and not every, and not everything's going to be a hundred understood a hundred percent. There's still there's mystery. There's the there's mysteries in the kingdom of God. And in fully understanding the kingdom of God. But that's what we push, right? I mean, Paul says, uh, I hope you can understand the height, the depth, the width, all that. He goes, but even then, I know you're not going to. You're not going to even fully grasp the love of God, you know, but you push towards it. You push towards understanding. Uh, and uh, that only happens if we live a full life and that we have conversations with people that don't believe what we believe and that we that we, we have relationships with people that are that guess what? That don't agree with us. We, we got to a point now that we, we, if you don't agree with me, you're not my friend anymore. Right. That's, that's the, that, that's another, uh, uh, repentance that I thought I heard it not too long ago was the, and it was like, wow, it's the, the, the theological repentance, which, which we, if you guys don't believe with what I, what I believe, then you're outside of the, you know, I can't, but it, it's good to like, as me, I, I myself have the heart of an evangelist. I love the evangelism, but I, through the years, I've 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 uh, learned, come to learn that. And you were saying it, Brendan, by reading Sky's thing. There is love. Love comes first before anything, and then it's not like uh, getting uh, getting into a relationship horizontally. You know, and 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 then the first thing that comes out of our mouth is trying to 
tell this guy how Jesus is going to change him, which he is. But but instead of completely loving this person, knowing this person, uh, coming alongside this person, and even to like what we're talking about today was like how to be the salt and light of the world. The, uh, being the salt and light is these things have to come from with, within us uh, and, and overflow out of us, not that we have to um, stand on a, on, on a box with a microphone saying, uh, repent for, you know, and, and, and you're, or you're going to hell if you don't, if you don't believe in Jesus or strong arm him into the, into the kingdom of God. That's not how the, the, that's not how, G, that's not the message of the kingdom of, of, of heaven. So, um, Hmm. Yeah. Well, like, imagine being a missionary and only going to churches. <laughs> it happens. Well, the churches need Jesus more than anyone, I think. <laughs> well, listen, you know, let's be honest in our relationship with one another. I mean, Frank and I, uh, we're, we're, we're real good friends. I consider him a brother. Uh, but we didn't agree on a lot of stuff when we first met. That's right. That's right. Uh, and, and that was okay. Like I wasn't like, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna change you. And, and, and he wasn't. I'm gonna change you. We 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 sharpened each other. We talked. We right. processed. We. It was fine for us to disagree. It wasn't like the end of the world. And and I've always had that approach with you know with all of you guys. It's like you don't have to agree with me. I'm gonna tell you what I think, and I'm gonna point you to scripture. But but I'm not gonna end my relationship with you if you don't agree with me. Right. Right. You know that that that's 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 foolish. That's a foolish approach to life. You know, I love to talk to people and hear their opinion. I don't have to agree with them to to love them. You know, uh, yeah. And I think that I've I've always felt that with you guys. Like I never felt that I couldn't share something with you that you guys might disagree with. I think that's a misconception. That's, that's always been my approach. Yeah, I think that's a misconception that? today is that people think that, well, if you don't agree with me, then we just can't be friends or we can't get along. Uh, I, I see that you're, happening more and more. You're you're outside mm. of the circle of trust. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <I> remember that. <laughs> right. I guess I wonder we just evolved into such sensitive people. We can't even be challenged anymore, I guess. I don't. So, so like, I have a question then um, in terms of that, like, so. What do you say about like in terms of what happened with like Paul and Peter, where like they had like kind of like their disagreements and then just went their separate ways? Good. Good. Well, like, they didn't um, go their separate ways. Actually, you know, like Barn, you think like Barnabas and Paul went their separate ways, but they still remain uh, relationship wise was still intact. Listen, Paul had a hard time with John Mark, but he still receives him at the end, right? And 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 John Mark, you know, messed up. A lot, <laughs> you know, three three times at least that we know of, you know, yeah, I, I, I think uh, you have to be okay Paul, with they were able to challenge like Paul challenged Peter in a very important moment. And Peter was was humble enough to be able to receive that and to be corrected, because think about it. Peter was the de facto one of the de facto leaders of the church. And here comes this upstart Paul. And then Paul's given Peter a hard time. Peter could have said, you know, shut your mouth. I've, I've been here. I walked with Jesus. I didn't go kill any Christians. I didn't do it. He doesn't. He he modifies his views. He change. He allows the spirit of God to change him. Yeah. 
Yeah, what, I agree. Um, I, I, think, see, I see someone pointing. I think we got to wrap it up. This has just been too fun. Oh, it's the time? Is that yeah, the time yeah. I you think we do have to wrap it up. Shut up get a Sunday, just shut up and save it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we got lots more to talk about on this subject. Obviously, yeah. this Sunday... So if you're around, if you live in South Florida in the Davie area, come see us Sunday, 10 o'clock or 1030. Sorry. Uh, we'll be talking about this subject. Um, and if you can't catch us, just catch us online. You can uh, listen to this, this message, uh, risecommunity.org on the Rise Community app or Apple Podcasts. Um, but yeah, we want to hear from you though. If you have questions, I really love, uh, you know, Frank, last week, you, you really, um, the way you opened the message, and just challenged everyone and encouraged everybody to, you know, to reach out and engage, especially if you are feeling like, you know, challenged or you have questions or you don't like what you hear, you know, like this is, we're coming at these things at a different angle than maybe a lot of us are used to. And so it's okay. It's okay to disagree. It's okay to have questions. So definitely uh, reach out to us. But um, yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. I guess uh, we can sign off for this week. Great conversation, though. It's always good. Always fun. But until next time, see you later. Peace. God bless you. See you guys. (laughs) Thanks for listening to the Rude Pastors Podcast, a ministry of Rise Community Church. For more information, visit risecommunity.org. Or if you have questions and comments, email rudepastors at risecommunity.org.